Welcome to the Scale Up Your Business podcast. In this podcast, we talk about what it takes to go from startup to scale up and beyond. How to significantly grow your business, create freedom, build wealth, and live life on your terms. Featuring some very special guests and experts to give you advice and direction on your journey. And now, introducing your host, entrepreneur, investor, and scale-up specialist, Nick Bradley. Hi, everyone. Nick Bradley here, and welcome to the 99th episode of Scale Up Your Business. We are one away from the big 100. So today, I want to get into a really cool topic, one of my favorite topics. It's productivity and performance, and more importantly, the correlation between those two things. So for those of you who've been listening to Scale Up Your Business for some time, you will know that I talk about routines, I talk about habits, I talk about predictability of performance um, in the sense that, you know, you can get up every day and you can kind of do stuff. But if you haven't got a plan, if you haven't got goals, if you're not setting the intention around what uh, results and outcomes you're trying to achieve, then you kind of just end up with whatever you get. It's not, sometimes it's great, it's not usually great because you haven't been as focused or as clear on the things that you are trying to achieve. So productivity and performance is a big thing. I, I'm not going to call it a hack because sometimes people think of it like that. It just should be kind of how you show up. So today I'm delighted to have on Scale Up Your Business, Mike Sesniak. Now, Mike is a podcast host. He has the Results Engine podcast, which I have been on. He is also an entrepreneur, a consultant, um, a qualified coach, a certified coach with the High Performance Institute, and he is president and head coach at the Results Engine, where he helps his clients boost productivity, boost performance, so they can scale their results faster, both in business and in life. And, and you often hear me say that even though this is scale up your business, it's also scale up your life. Both of those things are very, very closely related. He's the founder of the Fear Hacking Academy where he helps sales teams scale their production by a minimum of 30%, like 30% in 90 days or less. And um, it's interesting, when I got onto the conversation around this, I said, well, so what is it about productivity? And, and you know, we start to get into the realm of mindset again. It's, you know, how you, how you think about what you're trying to achieve, the intention behind it. And I'm a big believer that you can teach people the skills, particularly in selling. You can talk about closing, how to open up, asking great questions. But that passion, that drive, the resilience, the grit that comes from being really, really good at what is a pretty challenging job sometimes uh, comes from that mindset. So I know that Mike is a massive advocate of that as well. So that's it for today. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Mike is a great guy. He's a fantastic person to bring in as I, as I close in on that 100th episode and I finished kind of the first part of my journey, 99 episodes of Scale Up Your Business. So welcome to the show, Mike Sesniak. Hi, everyone. It's Nick here. Welcome to another episode of Scale Up Your Business. I am delighted to have with me today, Mike Sesniak. Now, Mike is an entrepreneur, consultant, coach, certified high performance coach, actually. And he's the president and head coach of the Results Engine, where he helps his clients boost productivity and performance so they can scale their results faster in life and in business. He's also the founder of the Fear Hacking Academy, 
where he helped sales teams scale their production by a minimum of 30% in 90 days or less. We're going to get into that today. And he's also the host of the top rated podcast, The Results Engine Podcast. So Mike, welcome to Scale Up Your Business. Nick, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited. Excellent. Well, you know, there's so much we can talk about because I mean, we, I want to talk about fear because fear hacking sounds an interesting concept. Definitely want to talk about this scaling of sales teams because you know what? I've, I've done lots of different topics of business scale up here and kind of business growth, yeah. lots of marketing because that's my background. Haven't done a lot on sales. So we'll get into that. But before we do that, let, let me hear your story. So kind of, you know, from where, what you've done and kind of why you are doing what you're doing now. For sure. So... My, it's interesting. You look at my LinkedIn profile and it's like this scatter plot of just like really interesting experience, like a weird trajectory of business and career. And I know you and I connected a lot when I had you on my show um, and you were sharing your story. There's a lot of cool parallels, but for me, my whole life revolved around where I could play soccer in college um, because that's really all that mattered. Right. And I very much grew up in a family that was like, okay, great go play sports in college, but you're not going to do it at the expense of your education, meaning use it as a tool to get into a better school that maybe I didn't necessarily like grades wouldn't have got me there, but uh, you're not going to go, you're not going to drop the education just to go play D1, for example. So um, back then, all I wanted to do was make as much money as possible, retire young and start a pit bull rescue foundation. So okay. for me, um, <laughs> basically the process here in the States was there would be these college showcases, right? And they would have a list of all the college coaches that were going to, to attend and like recruit and scout basically. I would print out this list. I would schedule time with my guidance counselor in high school and he would bring up my transcript on this, on his computer screen. And we would just go through and highlight all the schools that were like a good academic fit. Then I would go home. My dad was the lawyer in the family. So he would always like help me write all these letters to the coaches. Like, Hey, I play on XYZ team would love the opportunity for you to come see me play, etc. And during one of those conversations, my guidance counselor said, Hey Mike, you're good at math and sciences. Why don't you look at engineering? I'm like, whatever, like, do they make a lot of money? <laughs> and he said, yeah, I'm like, cool, sign me up. And the rest is kind of history. Like I, I happened to get recruited by a very good engineering school in upstate New York where I live. Uh, I live in New York, depends, upstate's this weird thing. Some people think anything north of the city's upstate, which it's not. See, I'm like, really bad like this. I mean, I spent a lot of time in Boston and I kind of, when you think about kind of the size of the UK and Australia and the US and all this kind of, I get weird in terms of, you know, geography. <laughs> It's so weird. I live like I live about an hour north of New York City. So when I'm saying upstate, I mean like Albany area, like yeah. three hours, two to three hours north of where I'm at right now. And uh, ended up with a software engineering, computer engineering degree, went right down to Wall Street and started working in corporate and spent about six and a half years in corporate America, five at my last company and did that whole climb, right? Like seeking titles, money, had everything I wa thought I wanted, like everything I was supposed to have, I guess, luxury apartment, senior title, six figure salary by like 25 years old, but I was broken. And, um, you know, it, on the outside, it looks great. But now that we're hearing so many more of these stories, I think with the increased visibility of social and people telling their story a lot more behind closed doors, it was just in shambles. Right, like debilitating panic attacks, struggling with anxiety as early as like 23 years old, which is just mind blowing. Right. Um, and it, 
I always say that that kind of opened me up into the path of what I'm doing right now. It kind of cracked the door open. It took a few more years for me to really kick it through, but it really just nudged that door open a little bit because what I realized, Nick, was every single one of my panic attacks happened in a moment where I felt guilty for not working. Hmm, Interesting. Right. It'd be like a Saturday morning and maybe it was a friend's birthday on Friday night. We go out, we have a couple beers and I'm like, why aren't I working at 730 in the morning on Saturday? And I, it took a really long time to build that grace in for me, but that's where it started. I'm like, okay, well, maybe if I didn't feel maybe if I showed up more powerfully when I was working, I might not feel so guilty when I wasn't. So what was, I'm sure you'll get into this, Mike, what was the fear? I mean, what was the fear of not where I mean, firstly, what, what you obviously probably understand it now because you've reflected on it and done some work on it, but what was yeah. it back then? Honestly, I'm someone that has very, very high goals and extremely high expectations of myself. As I'd imagine you are, as I'd imagine most people listening to this podcast, right? Like, let's be real. No one listens to personal development podcasts unless you want something bigger, yeah. right? Unless you're seeking something. 100%. And that was it for me. I felt guilty for not working because I was afraid. I, I thought I was looking at the blueprint of what it took to get where I wanted to go in social media, right? Like I thought the people, I didn't realize they were only sharing the highlight reel. I thought I was looking at exactly what it took to get what I thought I wanted, right? From these business owners and these people with these big personal brands. And I didn't understand it. So for me, the fear was not living up to it. Yeah, it does. And you know what? Obviously, we spent some time when I was on your show recently, but I didn't quite realize the parallels now that I'm hearing the story back because we talked a little yeah. bit about it. But oh my God, it's, it's almost like listening to myself explain what I explained to you. <laughs> yeah. Bizarre. Keep it's going. So, it's so interesting because like the, wor- the worlds that I live in are oddly the same, right? Between engineering and, and what I do in the coaching space, but also very different, right? Like they're very similar in the sense that we're engineering and like solving complex problems, right. And, and helping navigate different conversations, but they're very different. And it's like, how the hell did you go from writing code and engineering order processing systems for like global luxury e-commerce companies to coaching and consulting with sales professionals? Like it, it didn't quite make sense, but the productivity piece is, is kind of that the thread. Right. But what I mentioned earlier was I, I realized that if I could show up more powerfully when I was working, I might not feel so guilty when I wasn't. And the more that I dove into that, the more I realized I had zero clue what it actually meant to be productive, like nothing. I thought it was being busy, checking things off of a to-do list, getting things done, which sometimes matters, but oftentimes not. I didn't realize that doing things doesn't matter if the things you're doing don't matter. Right. And that that changed everything for me. So that was probably like, I don't know, I was 24 ish. It was like a year and a half trying to figure out what the hell was going on. Cause I didn't know what anxiety was. I'd never known anyone that had had a panic attack before I was going to the doctors, getting my chest x-ray, doing the breathing tests. Like I thought there was a physiological issue. And back then it wasn't cool to talk about mental health on social media. So it took a while for me to really figure out what was going on, but that kind of cracked the door open. And I still resisted the coaching industry for probably three years or so just due to stigmas that I had, but uh, that's where it all started. And then started the company as a side hustle, built it as a side hustle for a year and a half and then took it full time 
about two, two and a half years ago and uh, haven't looked back ever since. So yeah, timelines are similar. That's like with like me. a very long winded journey right no, there. No, it's but... not. It's not. I mean, most, most people who come in here, I've got, I've had some very long, <laughs> very long stories. Like sometimes they go on for like 30 minutes in their own right. But a lot of them are very powerful. And the thing about it is I get, because I listen to them pretty intently, I get a lot of different um, questions that pop out. I mean, the first question I want to ask is, yeah. is why pit bulls? <laughs> yeah, dude, I don't know. I, I think out. it's like maybe one of my favorite shows was Pitbulls and Parolees growing up. It's the show that's on Animal Planet. It airs at extremely weird times, like 5 p.m. on a Saturday afternoon. But I always thought it was so cool. And I'm sure there's like some psychological thing of just being a very misunderstood breed. People think that there's just like this crazy bully breed. They don't realize that they were actually used as babysitters from the Royal families all the way back in the day and, and these sorts of things. And um, I don't know, man. There I'm is sure that something in that when you explain it, but no, I was joking around a little bit, but I just, that just jumped out. I want to go back to this idea of, of productivity actually, because yeah. I think that's something that's going to be useful for people listening. And also something that I've, it's been an epiphany for me over the last few years as well, back to, you know, it's the result that matters is the outcome. And if you can get there in the quickest way possible, certainly in the quickest way that makes you less overwhelmed. And, and, and as you said, maybe not suffering from any anxiety, then that's a really cool thing. So just take us through what you learned then. Um, and obviously you've increased that now and, and, and kind of your thinking and philosophy around productivity. Yeah. Yeah. So back then, like I mentioned, I, I, I didn't understand it at all. Right. I, I thought it was just, Oh, you got to work harder. Right. Like this just overly masculine energy, just like work harder, quit complaining and you'll be fine, which I believe there's a time and a place for, but not every day, not 24 hours a day. Like that was all that drove me. Right. It was this work ethic and discipline thing. And, um, you know, I, I kind of had to realize, like, I thought being productive was working 47 hours a day. Wow. which doesn't make any sense. But I thought if I wasn't working 47 hours a day, I wasn't being productive enough. So I really had to go and dive deep into it. But the more that I dove in, the more that I realized, like I mentioned earlier, it's not about doing more things. It's not about doing more stuff. It's about doing more of the things that actually matter. And in business or in sales, like what are those things that actually drive the needle? If we're spending 75% of our day on things that don't build business, we can't be surprised when it doesn't lead to the results that we want, right? So for me, it was about fine tuning what was actually worthy of my time, right? The biggest lie I think anyone says is I don't have time. And there are all these cliches like, okay, well, Oprah has the same 24 hours, right? And it's true. Like they're cliche for a reason because it's actually true. So what's different from the people that seemingly have what we want already versus what we're doing right now? And usually it's just a matter of, okay, well, they spent their time on different things, right? We could always say they got lucky, but that doesn't, that just makes us a victim and it doesn't serve us. So what did they actually do that was different? And oftentimes they just spent their time doing different things. And when it comes to this, I don't have time thing, like really what it means is it's not worth my time, which is completely okay. But the second you take ownership of that, everything changes, right? So for me, it was this journey of trying to figure out what's actually worthy of my time. 
And I think the engineering part of my, like the just perpetual curiosity of my, my journey really helps that um, when it comes to working with my clients and really like just self-diagnosing it as I went, like what was actually driving the results, like getting data, getting these metrics that I could actually leverage. But that was it. It's like, what actually is worthy of my time? Because then we could start to build our lives and our schedules around those things. And not just things worthy of our time in the business realm, but like what drives the happiness factor in life too? Like that's, that's what we really need to be. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people get, get this really quite confused. Not, not so much, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's definitely the people out there who go, Hey, listen, I haven't got time, which is straight away. You know, I, I think when people say it, they kind of almost know that they, <laughs> it's going to get pulled apart. Right. Cause we, we it's the one thing we hope they don't get called out, but I think it's, People, people may have an indication of what their result is. Let's talk about it in terms of, like, in terms of business scale-up. So some might say, listen, I want to create a business that allows me to be free, build wealth, live life on my terms. That's, that's the usual kind of end game of most people who are putting so much emphasis into yeah. their business and wanting to be an entrepreneur. But they don't quite know what they need to do. So therefore, mm-hmm. they get overwhelmed, they lose focus, and therefore they spend their time on stuff that isn't going to get the result because they're just doing so many things. It's even hard to know what thing is going to get the result. So what do you think yeah. about that? I mean, how, if someone comes to you, a client comes to you and says, is in that sort of state, how do you start to work with them? Well, the first thing is clarity, right? Like clarity is the cornerstone habit in high performance. And often, oftentimes that stagnation or that like almost analysis paralysis of sorts it happens because we don't know what we need to be doing. We get overwhelmed mm. because the problem is so complex, right? Everything that you mentioned earlier, like the time freedom, like living life on your terms, these are all amazing things. But what does that actually mean? Because you and I could have completely different lifestyles. So the amount of revenue you need to generate versus what I need to generate might be completely different to come to that same end result, right? So everything always needs to start with clarity in, in this world of high performance, because it's like the cornerstone habit, right? When, when you have clarity, everything rises, but when you don't, everything kind of falls back. And that paralysis right there is a perfect example. So uh, that's a little bit abstract. So let's dive into it a little bit. Okay, cool. Well, how much, how much revenue do you need to generate on an annual basis to check off all of those boxes? Like your living expenses are met. You don't need to worry about price tags. You can afford the family vacation, whatever that means. Right. And success is this kind of abstract concept anyway. Like what you want, what I want could be radically different. We might use the same keywords, but we don't want to get to the same destination necessarily. So like, what are the revenue numbers? Cool. Well, once you know that what's actually driving the results, like what are the action items that you're doing on a daily basis that lead to business growth? Right. And what's interesting is most of the studies have shown that about 90% of your results come from just 30% of the things that you're doing. So once you know, okay, these are the things I think are driving revenue. Now we can trim down that list. Right. And they're all, that's when productivity comes in. You can start to play with all these different things, but in the software world, this is, there's this concept of premature optimization. Right. And I think a lot of people try and do that. They try and get all the bells and whistles going when they're, they don't even have like the chain on their bicycle, right? (laughs) Like the little bell on it's not going to do anything yet. And uh, that's kind of the bell is kind of the productivity tips and tricks and strategies, right? Like, you can't optimize something that shouldn't have been optimized to begin with because we haven't built it yet. 
So that's a whole different conversation, but that's where it always starts, right? Getting super clear. What do you actually mean by what you're saying that you want? And then what's it going to take to get there when you know that cool, how do I measure this? Because when you can measure it, you can manage it. And that's when you can start to really scale up those results. Because at the end of the day, it's sometimes it's not rocket science. It's doing less of the stuff that doesn't matter. And then finding a sustainable way to do more of the stuff that does. I think it's that. The, it's the definitely that piece. Leads. I mean, that's the, the bit that most, you know, that whole um, entrepreneurial curse. Well, it's a curse in some ways, but in some cases it can be quite quite valuable is the whole sort of shiny objects syndrome. And I see lots yeah. of people who are kind of jumping from the next idea to the next idea, you know, say yes, figure it out later kind of concept, right? Which is kind of good in yeah. some ways, but it has its, has its pitfalls. But um, yeah. The, the, the thing for me, like, so clarity, get that, totally get that. And then, mm -hmm. as you said, you work on that next stage, the next stage being it, it's probably, again, to maybe put words in your mouth, it's probably that they're doing too many of the things that aren't going to get the result. And so if, as soon as you can cut yeah. that back, you can probably find the stuff that's going to get to the, to get to what they want. Yeah, exactly. Because let's be real, before we even get to that, like most of the things that we say we want, we don't actually want. Right. This is why clarity is so important because it's become so sexy to say, I want a seven, eight or nine figure business, but maybe you're completely cool building a business that's going to give you generate 300,000 a year. And maybe that covers your dream life and then some. So once you know that cool, then stop overwhelming yourself, striving for something that's bigger than you actually want because you saw some influencer on Instagram say that you want, like you were supposed to want that. Um, but yeah, that's a whole different rant. No, rant. well, Sorry, I mean, we, we could up, even, but... we could even start going into the whole idea of the, the feeling of success is an emotion anyway. <laughs> and, you know, exactly. And there's a point there where, you know, you can kind of take yourself to that state. You know, there's, there's different strategies around those things, but uh, okay. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, let's play around with this in terms. Of, I just, I'd like to make it a bit more personal for you if that's cool. Cause it's always good for people to understand sure. it. So in terms of the things that you do, I mean, you've obviously got your own goals, your own kind of things you're trying to achieve, but productivity tips, hacks, things that have worked for you personally that, that you've learned over the years that you think could be useful for people just to understand? Yeah. One, the obvious like stereotypical example is blocking out your calendar, right? Which I think we all know we should do, but we go in waves in some capacity where we're like, ah, that's fine. Like it'll go and it'll figure itself out. So that's number one. And What's interesting about time blocking is there are a million different strategies and you'll have to play with how you want to do it. But here's how I block out my time and my weeks. Um, I use a, a tool called Notion, which is, it's cool in the sense that you can build out checklists. <laughs> you could do literally everything. It's kind of like Slack mixed with Evernote, mixed with like every tool you could imagine. And I probably use about 3% of its actual capabilities. Um, but what I like to do is I'll map out everything that needs to get accomplished throughout a week, right? Every single thing, very granular because I'm a bit, a bit like I, I need to be, well, you're an engineer, aren't you? You know, an engineer, engineer by practice. Yeah. I, I've, I've seen so, many people like you. <laughs> yeah. It's so impressive. I'll map out literally everything that needs to get done. Right. Once I have that, I'll start to assign it to days. Um, and in notion, you can build out templates, right? So a lot of this stuff is recurring. It's like, cool on Mondays and Wednesdays, podcast episodes come out. There's a few action items that need to get done right on Mondays, the weekly recap, like all these things that are recurring, you can kind of, um, automate a little bit and templatize it, but then they'll get assigned to days, 
right? Once it's done with that, then I can start to go into like time blocking. And uh, the way myself and every single one of our clients does it, Sunday we map out the entire week for an hour. Um, and then I time block as much as you can on Sunday. And then day by day, we'll kind of go out and we have what I call like a cool down, right? Like I take a very athletic or fitness based approach to life and business. And like after a training session, you'll cool down, right? Stretch, whatever. Um, I have a recurring block in my calendar every single day. That's like my daily cool down. And all that means to, uh, all that means for me is cool. If I'm in the middle of one of our blitzes, like we do in fear hacking Academy, then awesome. I'm going to track all the numbers for the day and like our daily action trackers. And then after that, I'm just checking tomorrow's time blocks, making sure that everything's fit. If meetings got moved or something got jumped into the calendar, making sure we're good, etc., And then we're good to go. So that's how I map my days out uh, and my weeks out. Literally the best thing that anyone who doesn't do that, like that's where you need to start because I remember one of my early, early mentors told me, you show me your calendar, I'll show you your paycheck. <laughs> right? I love that. And it, Beautiful. it really it stems back to what we're talking about. Like we need to know that where we're spending our time is actually worthy of our time. Right. And, and making sure that you're intentionally mapping out your calendar is one of the best ways to do that. Showing up powerfully for those time blocks is a whole different high performance conversation, but that's a great place to start. Um, and then in terms of, in terms of actually deciding and deciphering what drives results, I think the best thing that I can point people to is a great book called eat the frog by Brian Tracy. And basically every chapter is a different strategy. And a lot of them are very similar, right? It's this concept of doing less of the stuff that doesn't matter and getting hyper-focused and driving results around the things that do. My favorite one, the one that's just resonated with me the most is something called the law of three, which I alluded to the stat earlier, like 90% of results, 30% of the actual action items. So I'm happy to dive into what that is, but that's a great book. And uh, that's a really easy way to, to start to really compound. Yeah, let's, let's play a little bit with that because I think first and foremost, time blocking is something I do and we talk about it um, in a similar way, um, not quite exactly the same way, but certainly in a similar mm -hmm. way on the podcast and with my clients. And it's, it's huge. I mean, Sunday planning, you know, the whole idea of having strategic blocks and having buffer blocks and all sorts of things in there. I, ha I, I plan the whole thing from 5am when I get up all the way through until when I go to bed, the whole thing, it looks like a, a colorful candy store, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But, um, but it makes a big difference. But the, um, let's talk about the, um, you said the law, the rule of three, because I, yeah. I think this can help. Because one of the things I've found has probably been my Achilles heel personally has been overwhelm. And Tony Robbins mentions one, two, three, many. And I'm a little bit like that. If I get over three or maybe five is a max of things that I need to get done. If it gets into long lists, I suddenly look at that and I start to kind of freak out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, I love the, I love the number three. So psychologically, like I'm just drawn to this, but um, basically every single business owner, and this applies to people working in corporate as well. So my clients that are in like commission sales roles or in like a door to door sales position, like this always, this always applies. But here's my caveat. If you, if you work in corporate or you have some sort of superior, don't just start axing things off of your calendar without consulting them because I don't want to get DMS on Instagram saying, Hey Mike, you told me to do less and I lost my job. <laughs> that's my, that's my warning. Don't, don't worry. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, 
but here's basically the concept. So if anybody listening to this maps out exactly what they have to do, like things that if they don't do, they don't get done. The business falls apart. If we write all those things down, every single person will typically have seven to 10 items on that list of pure responsibilities for ourselves. Now, the science has shown that just three of the items on that list actually yield 90% of our results, right? So then it's up to us to figure out what those three items are. I literally, I don't know if people are going to watch this video, but I literally bought this easel right behind me when COVID started to happen in the States because I'm like, I want to make a training. And it was this video in particular because I wanted to visually map it out on how this can really compound your results right? Because let's think about it. Let's assume an ideal world. We have 10 items on this list. Three of those items yield 90% of the results. So we, by the way, the other seven should be either eliminated or delegated. Mm -hmm. And only the business owner can determine like where you're at. Sometimes you can't afford to do that yet, or you're a one man shop and you have to do that. But at least we could look at things through a lens of they're less worthy of our time right now. Right? It just gives us a different lens to look at things through. So, okay, awesome. We get rid of, let's assume that our time is evenly distributed throughout those 10% of our calendar goes to each item. Well, by eliminating or delegating, there goes 70% of our calendar, right? We're only using 30%. Now, maybe you're content with 90% of the results. Again, success means different things. And this is where clarity comes back into the picture. Like, what do you want, right? That meme from the notebook, right? That movie. Yeah what do you want? Once you know that, then you could start to dictate what you should be doing here. But let's say you want a little bit more, right? Maybe you're an overachiever like me. So let's double that 30%, right? You're now at 60% of your calendar, but the results double too. So we're at 180% of the results, still at 40% less of a workload, right? Comes back to clarity. Like what, what do you want? Maybe you're content with getting 180% of the results, but maybe, maybe you want a little bit more, right? Maybe you want to create a bigger impact. So let's add another 30%. We're now at 20 or 270% of your results, 90% of your calendar still working less on paper. Maybe we fill that last sliver. You're up to literally triple the results just by fine tuning where you're spending your time. It still sounds a lot like a, a process of elimination. In many cases, it is, it, it usually is right. Because if we look at where we're spending our time that we're not happy about, it's usually something that just like sucked our attention, attention in without us realizing. And we really think that we should be spending it somewhere else. These are all things that we want to just eradicate or move out of our calendar. And sometimes we just need strategies to highlight it or just put the magnifying glass on it. And then we could start to kind of peel the layers back and start to fine tune things a little bit. Yeah, I like it. So you said you did a whole video on this. Yeah, okay, yeah, we'll... I did a, a training. I'll, I'll get you the link. Yeah, or let's put the link, link in because I think this is a thing that comes up all the time. I do a Monday night live on, on Facebook and mm -hmm. um, I get this question a lot. <laughs> yeah. Because people struggle with it. I think there's a lot of people who are past the idea that I'm a victim of time as we spoke about at the beginning of this. And they realize that it's just, they're not intentional enough with what they're doing or focused enough, or they don't have to your point, the clarity of where they should be putting that focus or that intention. 
Mm-hmm. So, so that'll be useful. Awesome. Okay, cool. Thank you. So anything else before we move on? I want to talk about the sales stuff specifically, but any other tips? You've given us two pretty good ones there. Anything else you personally find that's helped you? Honestly, the, the only other thing that I would really want to like underline and highlight and freaking bold face for everyone is this concept of clarity, right? Like, and clarity is, it's tough to talk about it in a very like concrete and specific way, because at the end of the day, it's, it's the classic want better answers, start asking better questions, Mm -hmm. right? That's what clarity is. And literally like, if you don't know questions to ask, Google them, like what is a good question about insert topic? And the more that we can ask those questions to really, and sometimes it's just shifting a couple words, but figure out what those empowering questions are that can really shift how you're showing up, right? Maybe, maybe that looks like, cool, well, who needs me on my A game in this next time block, right? Like, what skill sets do I possess that I need to make sure really show up powerfully, right? All of these different things to make sure that we're maximizing our calendar and maximizing our, our impact and our service on a day-to-day basis. It's so important, but clarity could, could be everything from showing up powerfully to figuring out exactly what you want, all these things. So whenever you feel like you're a little bit cloudy, spend time because it, I guarantee you it is a worthwhile investment. Have you read any of um, Keith Cunningham's books, The Road Less Traveled or The Road Less Stupid, sorry? I I haven't, but I've been fortunate enough to see him speak virtually uh, at an event down in Fiji with Tony Robbins. So that was the first time I met, I like I'd ever heard of him Yeah, and I was blown away. It's amazing because he, he, he has away. a thing and I, I have this in my diary and I advise it to my clients. It's a, it's a thinking slot. It's a, basically, it's a two hours. That's the part that blew me away. Yeah. Well, he says 45 minutes a week. Mine's slightly longer, but this idea that you show up to that session literally with a journal, handwriting sort of stuff. Um, But you have questions that you've asked yourself beforehand. So you've prepared the questions and then you just sit there and totally deep work type of thing. You just answer those questions in a journaling capacity and uh, it's game changing. And one of the questions I remember he asked, the big one is like, particularly in business, but maybe also in life is what am I not seeing? What am I not seeing now? What, what's there? I love that. And it's a really challenging one, but I ask that a lot actually. And it's amazing how many times it opens up different pathways in your brain around certain problems or challenges you may have and opportunities. Cause it's just, sometimes it's just that three millimeter shift. Yeah. Right. And when you have that little shift, it opens up this whole different perspective that you weren't seeing. And that's not just business. That's the life stuff too, Yeah, which is so exciting. That was the part that actually blew me away. And, and I think that question in particular, to be How honest. How that again? There uh, we go. A little bit of weird serendipity. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny because um, I think Dan Sullivan also says, here's a similar type of way of thinking about this. And, you know, that whole idea about what you're not seeing, yeah, it's, it's, it's it, it, the way I've kind of thought of it is like one insight that you get from asking a question like that can change everything in terms of your perspective. And, and that, that mm-hmm. one shift, you call it that small shift, but it can have that kind of, it's like the dropping the pebble thing, you know, the pebble, when you first drop it, the ripples that then get bigger and bigger, you know, but you don't necessarily know where they're going to end up, but, but yeah. they do have that sort of, you know, compounding impact. Yeah. And I think it's so important because it's so easy to just get stuck in routine, right. And, and things just become the norm and we forget to think outside of that. Sometime, uh, I was having a conversation with a a friend of mine. And at one point he said, 
you can't disrupt an industry approaching it from the same mindset from within the industry. And what, what he was kind of going at was, okay, well, if we want to in- disrupt the coaching space, maybe we need to apply it from the same way that we would think in the restaurant industry, for example. But I think those speak to exactly that question of like, what am I not seeing? It kind of allows you from within that industry to look at it from different perspectives and just start to question. Yeah. And it, it just all, it all points back to clarity. No, it does. And, I like that. Well, we're definitely going to underline bold, put up in lights. All of we're going to do all of that. So let's, let's talk now about the sales side of this because productivity that yeah. applies to anything applies to business life. It doesn't matter if you level in, a, in, a, in an organization. It's just about kind of getting stuff done and, and being intentional, as you said, with what you want to achieve and what you focus on. Yeah. But sales. So, because this is a big one, we haven't covered a lot of this in scale up your business, but when you work with sales teams or, or sales leaders in a coaching capacity, what are some of the, the sort of things that you see all the time patterns, let's call it, where they're not performing where they could be? Is there, is there kind of a like, you know, I've seen that before. I always see that this is the thing, or is it always different? No, there are a couple of common, common ones for sure. And I think the biggest thing is I'm assuming this is industry wide. Maybe it's just the people that are attracted to our company or whatever it may be, but these sales pros, they're, they're typically very high achieving and they're very, they get hard on themselves, right? They, they, they get, um, or they are very hard on themselves when they're not closing deals at the capacity that they want. Right. Which by the way, where they're at is usually light years ahead of the other people in their industry to begin with. And there's a reason for that, but oftentimes it's kind of abstracting. You always hear abstract yourself away from, or detach from the outcome. Right. And I think that's really, really powerful in sales because sales is this interesting concept where you could say all the right things and maybe even use the right tonality. But if your energy is off in this little minute way, something weird is like recognized in that conversation and you won't close that deal. Right. And I think being able to detach from that is a massive, massive thing. So one thing in particular that we typically always do when we're working with sales guys and gals is, you know, okay, well maybe we're not hitting the, the outcome, but the targets that we work together with, they're never revenue based ever. It's always based on our actions. Mm -hmm. It's always based on our output, right? Because if we can focus and show up as powerfully as possible, I work with a lot of guys in the door to door space right now. If we could focus as much as possible on just showing up powerfully in service as we knock on that next door, that's all we're focused on, right? Because at the end of the day, it's a volume play, right? Sales is numbers. So we want to make sure that we could show up powerfully and just make that sustainable for, for more and more um, higher quantity. Maybe that's cold calls, doors knocked, whatever your metrics are. But when we focus on those little wins, that's where you start to build up a ton of self-confidence, right? Ed Milet said it better than I've ever heard. And he said, happiness comes to self comes down to self-confidence and self-confidence boils down to doing what you say you're going to do over and over and over and over and over again. Hmm, right? It's like, awesome. we always hear, there are all these like articles on Forbes and entrepreneur about how making your bed will make you a seven figure business. It's like, no, it won't. Like I've made my bed almost every single day with the exception of a couple, cause I'm human. But for like the last three years, 
and I check my bank account every day and it's never deposited <laughs> a dollar. It's a little bit not like what once. people say about meditation. I meditate every day, but I don't, I'm not meditating to sort of have a hundred million in the bank, but yeah, but I like the idea of what, what you said there sort of referencing Ed, because there is about sort of promising yourself, you know, there's a, there's a contract with yourself. It's a kind of an unwritten thing that's implied that if you, if you do the work in anything, you feel a certain sense of pride and that pride shows up, right? It shows up because I'll give you a very small example very quickly. I used to coach youth basketball when I was younger and yeah. uh, I was massively into fitness and health. And, and back then I had a personal training business. So I, that was my sort of my day job. And then I coached these kids under 16 boys. And when I used to coach them, I used to say, listen, what we're going to do is we're going to have an extra half an hour at the end of every one of our practice sessions. And we're just going to do exercises. We're going to run up and down the bleachers. We're going to do wall sits. We're going to do push-ups. all sorts of crazy stuff. And what I said to them, as I said, because when we get to the last five minutes of a game, you're going to want it more than the other team because you've put more work in than anyone else in this league. It was funny. We did. We won the championship that year, but we won it because these guys had this, this degree of, they thought they'd earned it like no one else. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's a similar concept because you know, that they'd built up that reservoir of belief through, through grit, determination, discipline, honoring self-promises, all the things that make a difference. They trusted themselves, right? And, and that's really what it comes down to. So I, I always love to use the making your bed cliche because at the end of the day, like a morning routine, typically, yeah, you want a morning routine to prime your day and get you started in a powerful way. But like, does making your bed really set you off that great? Sure, I'm not, I'm not naive to the fact that like having a clean living space is great for the psychology and all that sort of stuff, but it's not going to build your business. But the fact of the matter is you start, maybe you make your bed, you meditate, you journal, you drink a green drink and you do some stretching. That's five wins. That's five promises that you've kept before 5.30 in the morning, let's say. Dude, you're winning. Right. And we just do, we do very similar stuff in the business and in the sales space. We detach from that outcome because we know we've generated the clarity to reverse engineer what's actually going to drive those results. Right. What are those three actions? What are those 30% of the actions? And then we just plug them into our systems where we can overload those numbers in a sustainable way. But when we remove ourselves from that outcome, we're not worried that, oh, well, you know, that door got slammed in my face or, oh, that, that deal didn't go through because we know that we're putting in the work on the things that are worthy of our time. We just need to show up powerfully for those numbers. And while they're not that intense at the beginning, because we want to build that foundation, we know that every single time we show up and we knock 20 doors or every single day that you pick up the phone and you make 50 sales calls, right? You're just stacking another win. And as you stack those wins, you build that confidence and that confidence pours right back into the positive energy that allows you to close more deals. So how much of it, and I I get a sense by asking this question, I know the answer already, but how much of it is how the person shows up their, let's call it their mindset, their belief system, their confidence level versus their technical ability to sell? So I'm going to be, I'm going to tread carefully here because I don't coach on the technical sales ability. I coach on the high performance side of things, which is how they are showing up. Yeah, okay. So for me, the answer is it's all mindset. It's all high <laughs> you performance. See both. You must see both. Yeah. I'll give you a better way of framing this. You've got two people that you start to work with. One is 
technically better at sales and you can identify what that looks like. One is not, but you're working on both equally on mindset. How does, how does that play out? You start to see, my view would be that if someone's got the right attitude, mindset, energy, because, you know, selling is very much about rapport and trust and all those things. Even if you're Mm -hmm. a bit clumsy with your closing technique, you're probably going to be more successful on, on, on the side of how you show up. I agree. And I would just point back to that basketball example, right? Like there are probably players on other teams that maybe were a little more skilled, but they weren't willing to put in that work. And as a result, that last five minutes of the game, it didn't really go their way, right? When people are willing to show up and put in work, they're going to stack those wins faster, which are just going to pour over. And my belief is if you come from a place of service and you genuinely love what you do and you know that you want to represent your client in the best service of them, that will, that will translate over energetically far more powerful than saying the right things or having the right tonality or like the technical closing skills. But if you can't show up powerfully and trust yourself along that process and have the discipline to do all of these things, you're, you're going to falter sooner. Yeah, no, it does. And and I think that's applicable. I know you, you focus specifically with your business and whatever on the sales side, but I think everything you've said there works across so many dimensions, you know, it works on the areas that I work with the the founders, the CEOs, the business leaders as well, you know, because they're, they're having to show up, not just for their customers. They have to show up for their employees. They've got to show up for the, you know, potentially their investors, you know, it's and and, and the, the level, how they feel about themselves um, and certain, as you said, that, that wind stacking, all of that, you can start to see their shift and then the whole business shifts. So that's powerful. Exactly. Exactly. A lot of, I mean, a lot of the sales guys that I'm working with, I coach the people that are running the company as well. Yeah. And I'm working with their sales guys in a little bit of a different program, but um, really all around the same thing. So I can trust that they have the, the mentorship from the sales closing ability and stuff like that. And we could just focus on a very specific area and, and show up powerfully. But at the end of the day, it's just that it's showing up powerfully, which isn't a business thing. That's just like a yeah, no, human it is. thing. Indeed. So. Um, well, let's talk about your podcast for a bit. Um, so the yeah. results engine podcast, firstly, why did you start it <laughs> and tell us a little bit about it? Yeah. So I ran another show for about, I'm throwing up a bunch of fingers for about two years, (laughs) many, many years ago. Right. I I loved it. It was called learn, grow, earn. And I had like 200 uploads, like tens of thousands of downloads, loved it. But I shelved it when I started the consulting business because I was like, okay, well I was spending a bunch of money, like getting the podcast produced and all these things. And I'm like, okay, well, if I can shift all of that financial side of things over to investing in the business and all of my time and energy will be good. So I say that because I wanted to start a new show for a very long time, but I wanted to get the business to a point where I was comfortable devoting a little more time and energy over. It's back to your productivity piece. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You've just proven exactly. it. You know, that was one of the things in the 70% that probably wasn't taking you towards your, your outcome. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I also just felt that, you know, my, the business had grown, experience had grown, network had grown. I felt like I had an opportunity to create some amazing content and, um, and I wanted to do it. So we launched it last December, 2019, and it's grown really, really rapidly. I think we're about 80 episodes in now. Um, and yeah, it's been, it's been a really fun journey. So really, I just wanted to 
alleviate a lot of the things that were struggles for me early on. I mentioned earlier, not realizing social media was a highlight reel, not realizing that a lot of the stuff on the internet was complete fluff and wasn't going to drive results, right? Like in the conversation we had, we cut deep and like had some very like authentic and like raw conversation about certain things that like stuff that I, I had never shared before. And it's like, we're interviewing you, you know? And uh, that's really what I wanted to do with it is create this platform where we'll have that conversation that's very much unfiltered, but it's the stuff about what it actually took to get there, right? Like the highs and the lows, because I think the lows are where you learn far more than a lot of the highs. And uh, yeah, it just, it felt like a really good mission. Yeah, to we, start we, we spoke about that, didn't we? we said like, you know, it's the, that, that saying, and I think, again, it probably does come from the Tony Robbins that everything in life serves you. And it's often the fact you've got to go down to that pit of despair or whatever that, whatever that is for you to realize, um, A, to be grateful for what you've got, but more importantly, to be able to then spur the, the right level of energy behind where you are going to go. It almost ignites you. So, we, yeah, we got into that. But yeah. I love that as well because I think, you know, the thing, a lot of people, you know, in, in terms of what you do, fear... Here's, here's the thing that comes up all the time. Most people don't do things because they're scared of the outcome or they're scared of kind of, you know, the, the impact negatively of what something's going to be. And therefore they, they sit in this stasis of mediocrity. Um, and then, you know, I, luckily you and I have probably broken that, that cycle, but there's a lot of people that we both each work with, I think who are probably still, you know, have been stuck in that. And it makes me, makes me kind of feel a bit sad that, you know, what's their life going to be like if they don't change? You know, and, and that probably typifies a lot of the world, really. Yeah, fear is this interesting thing, man. It's like, what's the stuff we're afraid of? <laughs> if, by the way, fear is like a really, really great tool. Like, it keeps us safe, right? Our brain, it's number one thing to do is keep us safe. Problem is the world has evolved and we don't necessarily need to worry about the saber-toothed tiger around the corner. <laughs> like, a lot of the fear that we have is very, very, sometimes irrational, and that's why clarity can also be very, very powerful because when you ask those powerful questions, you start to pierce it, right? You start to poke holes in things and, and then you can really start to embrace like the whole use fear as a compass thing and like lean into certain things, but it takes being able to, to question those things. And that takes a certain level of, I guess, self-awareness and, and trust. So, um, but yeah, fears, fears, interesting. Powerful. Sure. All right, Mike, we're going to finish off with a few quick, quick fire questions, if that's all right. So cool. let's do it. first one for you, best piece of advice you've ever been given. Mm, uh, probably to read a book called the go giver, which wasn't really said that much, but okay. um, the, the advice would be your impact is always directly proportional to the number of lives that you touch. Ah, right? nice. And um, very early on, my uncle sent me that book and I was very, very fortunate to interview Bob Berg early on in my podcast it was like a life moment for me. Cause I think that's the best book of all time. Shout wow, out to Bob I've, Berg and John David, man. Yeah. I have not read that. I mean, I, I sort of, I have a belief, which is, you know, help people, help people get what they want in life. And you have, oh, there it is. You have everything you want in life. And that's a Zig Ziglar piece, but I'm going to check that out. It sounds like a similar concept. Yeah. It's about service. Yeah. Yeah. My, my whole life, my number one pillar was always impact over income. And I know that that sounds cliche, but I could never really put it into words. And this book allowed me to do it very, like, it's a very easy read, super thin. I think the audio book's like four hours. Um, 
it's kind of like greatest salesman in the world in that it's like a parable form. I love that. Like very, very powerful principles delivered yeah. through a, a fictional That might story. be my That's book. Really I might download that after this and go for my, uh, my, my nightly run. <laughs> that sounds yeah, like good. Highly suggested. Cool. All right. So next question is what's the worst piece of advice? Mm. That's interesting. I feel like I probably tried to black this stuff out of my memory. <laughs> Go deep. Um, <laughs> don't have to say who it's from, by the way. You don't have to throw them on the spot. Yeah. The worst. Nothing's even coming to me. Maybe that means that I've done a great job on my own, like unlearning a lot of things. I'm sure there are countless little pieces of advice of just like the minute things, like just add a bunch of people on Facebook and then immediately invite them to like your page. Hint, hint, don't do that. Um, the worst piece of advice. I'd imagine that it was something, this is going to be a very abstract answer, Correct. but I'd, I'd imagine that it was something along the lines of sticking in the structure of corporate. When I was like, I wasn't making crazy FU money, but in engineering, I think it's as close to that crazy FU money as you can get without being in a commission sales role or having some sort of ownership in a company. And no one understood why I wanted to leave corporate America. They're like, dude, you're making six figures. Like as if that, like in New York city, I'll give you a hint. Like that doesn't get you a whole lot. It gets you like a closet with maybe a bathroom. I've lived there. And, I know. Um, <laughs> I know that yeah, world. Yeah. Wild. Um, but yeah, I got a lot of pushback on wanting to kind of like pursue something of my own. And uh, I started three businesses while I was in corporate, just searching for that vehicle that again, allowed for the impact. Right. I knew the lifestyle I wanted and I knew that I need to help a lot of people to generate the kind of revenue to afford that. And I was searching for the vehicle and uh, all that to say the worst advice was probably to like, who did I think I was yeah. to not want to bet on myself or to, to want to leave corporate. Like I had what everyone wanted type of stuff. And it was all nonsense. I, I've had that before, you know, particularly with peer groups yeah. and friends and all that sort of thing you might've grown up with. And as soon as you start to change that and you become the outlier, in that group, then of course, everyone there's a, I forget the, who wrote about the, it was either monkeys or rats trying to get out of a cage. And, you know, as soon as someone tries to change the status quo of that situation, all the, all the monkeys turn on the other monkey, you know, it's the same kind of looks thing. It's like the crabs, right? The crabs in a bucket, they literally will rip their limbs off as they're trying to climb out. And I guess it's like, same thing. That's, that's, that's a better, that's a better story than that. my story. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's crazy. But here's what I would say to people is like, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because it's your dream and your vision and not theirs. So they don't need to understand it. As long as you trust in yourself and your ability to create what you're working towards, like screw it. Perfect. Well, listen, we're going to leave it there, Mike. That's awesome. Um, where can people find you? We've obviously put stuff into the show notes, but um, where's the best place to reach out? Awesome. The, the best place, first of all, Nick, thanks for having me. This is a fun conversation. I was excited for this after we uh, had you on the show. So I knew it would be a good conversation. Best place, honestly, if you've enjoyed this conversation is the podcast. It's where we're spending the most time, just the results engine podcast. Um, we had you on episode 72, maybe 70 something awesome conversation. And uh, that's where we're spending the most time. We do two episodes a week, two interviews a week, and then one tactical, actionable, like solo episode, bite-sized content on Friday. So three uploads total. And uh, other than that, I'm just at Mike Sesniak on all social media, Instagram primarily, but 
if anyone has questions or I, I sparked something that you want to either challenge or go deeper on, like feel free to reach out and, and let's get questions. Answered. Yeah, cool. Do you know what? It's so funny as we keep talking, we spent a good couple of hours together now doing this and probably a little bit more. It's the little tiny things that you say that kind of resonate. Like, so, so you know how you've got the interview format and then you've got the kind of quick fire thing on a Friday. I do exactly the same thing mm-hmm. on a Monday. <laughs> <laughs> I do 15 minutes to action. That's the name of the episode every Monday. And then I do my interviews. Oh, I love it. So it's bizarre. No, it's been great. Like, you were a fantastic host when I came on your show and you've been a fantastic Thank guest you. coming on scale up your business. I know you've given the audience heaps of value. The stuff on productivity and all that is, is such a big thing. And I, I want people to really go back and underline the point that Mike said around clarity. If you, as soon as you have clarity, it's the, it's the opening of everything. And if when you're clouded, you can feel overwhelmed and you can feel like life's beating you up. But, but that's the point to take away from this massively. So thank you very much, Mike, for coming on Scale Up Your Business. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it.